0: Hey everyone, my name is Alexandra Mond and you're listening to Baskets and Brains. So today we have with us Aaron Mond and Aaron is someone who I've watched over the course of my life set goals and reach them. He has grown as a soccer player playing professionally for almost a decade now and has grown his passions for other things like his community, the people around him, are real estate. And so I thought he would be an amazing person to have on this show. So Aaron, welcome to Baskets and Brains.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course, of course. Happy to so, be here. <laughs> can you start by telling us your athletic background?
1: Sure. Um, I was born in Boston uh and from an early age tried to just get involved in every single sport that i could you know i was into you know basketball soccer track i swam on a swim team i played lacrosse i wrestled like i did a lot of things and then i would say like as the years went on as i got older i started to specialize more and more as a soccer player and um soccer really has always been my true love athletically and has turned into you know a career for me.
0: It's awesome. So where did you play in college? Where have you played professionally?
1: Yeah. So I played in college at the University of Notre Dame for 4 years, which was an incredible incredible experience. So many good memories of playing there. And then that led me on to getting drafted into MLS. And I got drafted to Toronto FC my first year, played there for a year. Um, then I got traded to Salt Lake City, Vancouver for two. And in the past years, I've been playing in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's awesome.
0: So have you ever experienced some form of judgment or discrimination for being an athlete?
1: Yeah, uh, I would say definitely. You know, I think once I started to once I started to specialize in a sport was was when it started, started to build up. And then I think in college was when I started to like really notice it because of the way like college is set up for for athletes. Like it's actually really embarrassing to go back and look at <laughs> the like sweatshirts and the issue gear that we had back then. But, you know, we were kind of easy to identify because either one uh, natural attributes or this this issue here so I always felt like in college when I would walk into a room wearing that Notre Dame soccer sweatshirt there would be an initial like um, reaction or you know way that they thought uh, where they thought I was going to be or something like that There was always like that kind of underlying oh he's an athlete this is what we should expect Um, and I was always trying to combat that in in a number of different ways whether it be like how I, was, how I was dressing, uh, how I was speaking, um, how I was contributing, all that, you know, I felt was, was changed because of how I thought people were viewing me or comments that people have said over the years or some of the stereotypes that athletes kind of have to go through. I think being an athlete at uh, a good academic institution is tough because there's always that assumption that you're there for one reason. And it was it was hard for me to grapple with because on one end, I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely here for this reason. Like, this is my goal. Like, this is what I want to specialize in. And I knew that. But at the same time, I'm good at a lot of different things and I have a lot to offer. So, you know, I, I thought that college was, just because you're in that academic setting, it's just, it's so easy to, for people to kind of fall into that trap. But I think it, it's moved on um, or it's evolved into my life in the pros and, and, you know, how people view me from a business aspect. I actually I have a real estate business on the side. And if I walk into a room and they know that I'm a soccer player first, it's a different conversation to when they think I'm just a businessman someone who is trying to get a deal done. Right. Um, it's a whole different vibe. So.
0: Yeah, that's, I mean, so many athletes go through that. And it's crazy to think like, just because you know one part of my life means it affects everything. Like I know so many people who grew up playing the piano, you know, and and now we look at them as business people. It's like, well, are you a musician? Like, No, you're who you present yourself as and why is me knowing you playing the piano have anything to do with that? (laughs) Um, It's interesting that athletes aren't getting the chance to present the form of themselves that they would like just like everybody else, just because of one part of their lives, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like when I look back on it, it's like my education academically was based around this concept. Like my high school motto was, it was a Latin school, so bear with me. It was (laughs) (laughs) mensana in corpore sano, which means uh, sound mind and sound body. Mm -hmm. And this was like basically, their philosophy on everything. Um, it was just like trying to be a Renaissance man, trying to contribute to society in more than one way, trying to have an impact in more than one way. Um, and uh, that being like a key to life, key to advancement, having that balance. Um, and so when I think of people who uh are like very singular or um that they're asked to specialize, I, I generally think it's an unnatural thing,
0: mm.
1: um, and what's natural is to is is human curiosity and kind of exploring different things and just more well, interesting tangent. I just went on there. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you. I was with you. <laughs> uh,
0: so, what are you like really passionate about?
1: Passionate about? I am really passionate about music. I love music a lot. And I would say it's it's been as relevant in my life as soccer has and sports have. The other thing that I'm really passionate about that is more of a recent thing is cooking and food and the culinary arts. <laughs> I have been this pandemic, I really kind of been diving in. It's funny those two things are the, you know, my two, my two things because. Um, ever since the pandemic started, I noticed that I kind of just went back to what's comfortable. Mm-hmm. And the two things that that are comfortable, the most comfortable to me are music and food. So I was cooking, I've been cooking every day, and I've just been listening to music nonstop. And so I would say I'm super passionate about those two things. And also, you know, the ability of those two things to kind of tell a story and, and tell my history, I think is what draws me as well. Like I've learned so much through music about myself, about my culture, um, about people who have come before me. And then the same goes for cooking and, and, and cuisine. Obviously, you know that I'm Trinidadian. that in, But our, um, my
0: listeners don't. So please, please. Don't.
1: <laughs> so the cat's out of the bag. Uh, we are siblings. And you didn't on that before. Um, but, you know, there's just there's so much storytelling that goes in Caribbean cuisine. um, And it's a story of struggle. It's a story of perseverance. It's a story of resourcefulness and all that just is like, has made me so passionate about just that style of cuisine and how it makes me feel. So.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. Like I was watching, I've been watching this show called chef's table. I'm also very much into cooking for my listeners. who don't know this. and I was watching this Indian woman cooking food, and I was getting so excited about it. And I was like, why am I getting so excited about this Indian cuisine? And I realized there's so many, so many elements of Indian cuisine that are also found in Trinidadian cooking, from you know, the curries and the spices that Indian indentured servants had to bring over when they were enslaved and brought over to the Trinidad. And so it's it's so rich in our history. And I was just looking at all the curries and being like, oh, I miss that so much. Like, it's not the same when you're cooking for yourself. Like, I just want dad to, like, (laughs) materialize out of nowhere and cook me some food.
1: (laughs) Right, right I (laughs) know. It's so real. Like, every single corner of the world has their stories to their cuisine. And, you know, I was watching this this, uh, CNN thing the other night that was talking about cuisine in Italy and how pasta was a was originally a dish of the people Mm -hmm. and a lot of that a lot of the the meals that are based in pork that are pork based sorry are because it was the only only, you know cut that was left and Mm -hmm. I really identify with that and it's been a real connector in terms of understanding other cultures and stuff like that so you know I could talk about this stuff for days.
0: (laughs) Um, So I want to talk a little bit about I I know that you did a community service project with the homeless population of Charlotte uh, recently. I was wondering if you could tell my listeners a little bit about that and kind of what sparked your interest in it.
1: Yeah, um, so, you know, in, in pure pandemic fashion, I was hanging on the couch one day, just going <laughs> to Instagram uh, in my in my usual position and <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I came across a post that Virgil Abloh put out there about a woman in Chicago who was really just making making connections with our unhoused neighbors that I had never I had never seen before. It was so genuine, you know, she was bringing meals under these overpasses and just having good music and vibes and there was laughter, there was love. Uh, and it just like kind of hit me in a way that I haven't been hit in a long time. Like, yeah. like oh my God, like there are real. It doesn't always have to be through some org- some big corporation or organization or like a way to like formally give back. It mm-hmm. can be as little as like a meal and playing some music over your car speaker on an overpass. And that could be the biggest connection for somebody in the world.
0: Yeah.
1: And so I, I saw that and saw that she was doing this thing where she was giving out these, these coats and these coats looked incredible. They were like huge, pretty stylish. They looked warm as hell. <laughs> and the cool thing about these coats is that they turn into uh, sleeping bags. So, so cool. <laughs> as, you, as you know, like Chicago is no joke. It's like the right. coldest place I've ever been. So I'm looking at her give out these sleeping bags and I'm like, all right, you know, I, yes it's a pandemic but how fortunate am I like I should be I should be doing something so I started trying to think of like what I could do something small to start with um and I had uh, I just was walking through my house and had like a bag full of jerseys that I collected over the years yeah and I was like you know what I'm just gonna like raffle off a couple of these jerseys and see how it does and then just donate I try to buy as many coats as I can and the the response was immediate and it was incredible you know, the village really turned out and we raised a lot of money. We raised like $2,500 in, in a wow. day, in 25 hour, I mean 24 hours. And um, and it's just, it's, you know, there's still donations rolling in every once in a while. And um, awesome. we're trying to grow it so that more local businesses can get involved, other athletes, because I, I really like the template and just try to figure out how to scale it so that people can feel like they can have a huge impact and kind of it be in their own ecosystem, in their own group of friends, whatever it is. I think that's uh super powerful and it's you know a, a way that just a way to give back really.
0: Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean, I'm so proud. Like <laughs> and I remember just seeing it and you hadn't told us before you did it. And I was just like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> like this is awesome.
1: <laughs> no, I mean, like the reason I was just so like I was like, well, if I put this on Instagram and no one wants a jersey, this would be very unfortunate. So I was like, <laughs> selfish quietness. I was like, let me just see how this kind of does first. <laughs> Once someone, someone was like, all right, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll donate. Oh, I'll, I'll uh, enter the raffle. I was like, all right, cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got some legs to stand on. But yeah, I was incredibly shocked by the turnout and um, how people have kind of taken it on as their own. And that's the best way to grow something, I think.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So you kind of spoke about your real estate business a little bit. Um, so I was wondering if you could tell us like what sparked your interest in real estate and how did you first get into the business?
1: Yeah. Um, that's a great question. What sparked my interest in real estate, um, I think I've always been interested in homes, just because you know I'm not. I think that it's because you know my dad was, or is, a cabinet maker, custom woodworker, and so I remember going into homes with him, installing cabinets and projects, and meeting new people and going to different towns and going in their homes and seeing how they lived, and I think that kind of generally sparked the curiosity. Mm -hmm. um and then also the contrast right so every single place that you go into you're judging that based off of your own experience like your own house and how you live and your own upbringing and these type and these type of things so the juxtaposition there was, was was always there um but I would say like the first time I ever thought of it as a career was um when I was playing in Salt Lake, uh, I was there maybe three years and I was like, you know what, I should buy a house. And so I started like looking into it and it just so happens that a seasoned ticket holder, um, found out that I was in the market and <laughs> he like does, he does mortgages and has like a huge portfolio and is like a big investor. And he was like, look, I think, you know, you have a great situation here where you can do a lot because of, you know, your job isn't as time consuming as other jobs in terms of like, you know, I'll just go to practice at nine, be home by 12. So <laughs> yeah. I have like the rest of the day to kind of work on things. And yeah. I was tired of, of like playing FIFA and twirling my thumb. So it was like, <laughs> all right, let's, let's definitely do this. Um, and so he showed me what an FHA loan is and just like, not to get into the weeds or anything like that, but it was like an incredible loan that allowed me to be, you know, pretty dynamic and. It helped me purchase a duplex, which I lived in one side, rented out the other. And, you know, that experience was so good that I was like, all right, well, well, this is incredible. Like, what a vehicle. Um, And so it definitely started off as something to, like, to, uh, like, advance to make money and to, like, make my way through the world. But it's kind of evolved into a way that I can impact it in a way that I can give back and be impactful in my community. So the the basis of my philosophy around real estate is affordable housing, Mm -hmm. how we can affect the uh, climate crisis and and things things of this nature, Uh, as well as just like social equality and tackling things like food deserts through real Mm -hmm. estate or education because of the ties through property taxes. And stuff like that like I've, I've noticed that real estate was a basis for so many of the problems that i saw every day Right. Yeah. and so that's kind of how i've i've been attacked i've been attacking it ever since
0: that's awesome that's so, so cool um I, I think it's really cool i mean even the the concept of food deserts i just want to kind of hone in on is is so crazy to me like the in wealthier neighborhoods, there's lots and lots of places to go get foods, farmers markets, there's whole foods and Trader Joe's and all those really clean ingredients coming to you down the street. And in these poorer neighborhoods, it's like one every 10 miles. And a lot of people don't have cars. So they're trying to get on a bus and go over. And it's just crazy to me that even when they get to a food place if it's close by it's 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 fast food it's not healthy clean ingredients and it's it's disproportionately affecting poor people in, the, in terms of health and and so many other things access resources so I, i'm so glad that you're you're so conscious of that and 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 trying to make change through something that you're passionate about to help that kind of situation it's really really awesome
1: yeah i mean you know, it's, I just think it's, it's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else this is <laughs> Like, there's just so much land, there's so many resources. Uh, there's so much education around it. Right. But in terms of like doing it in terms of uh, redistribution of these things, it just doesn't happen. So we realize like, it's the only way that we're going to be able to move forward collectively. I think we're going to continue to have problems. But I think we can do a lot, again, in our own little corners to to move the needle.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I You know, and also, like, moving around a lot has has helped in, in seeing this, like, this coming to light. Like, I think it's so funny. Like, I thought Boston was a terrible place until I moved out and came back. You know, you know like, <laughs> what a boring city. And then I, like, left, came back, and was like, wow, this place is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I say that because, like, I lived in Vancouver, which is... In terms of like like quality of life, I don't know if there's many places um, that match it. And I think that's because of just like, I felt like there was access to all these things. Like there was healthy food everywhere. Everything was like clean. The focus was on like health and all these things, community I felt. And I contrast that with a place like North Carolina and North uh, Charlotte, where I live now. And Charlotte was ranked 50 On the ranking of states where there's social and economic mobility so the place that you can start from the bottom and get to the top like charlotte is like one of the worst places in the in the country or the worst place in the country for it and you see it like there's food deserts everywhere the the public transport is terrible the school system is is has its problems that that are rooted in in redlining and it's just really sad to see but again, like it's like there's a tent, like where I gave out those coats was a tent city. And that is right next to a row of abandoned, build, abandoned buildings. Mm-hmm. Like none of it really makes sense. And it's in plain sight and it's like right in the middle of downtown, but it's almost like something that we don't talk about or try not to see or whatever right. it is. Like it's, it's yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, I mean, even allowing these these houseless people to to just stay in these abandoned buildings like <laughs> giving them some kind of shelter from the wind and the cold wouldn't be so much better so even hearing that is just it's kind of hard to hard to take it's like what are we doing <laughs> it doesn't have to be it doesn't
1: right
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it definitely takes people like you who see it and are passionate about it and willing to change it to make something happen. So kudos to you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a group effort. Like, I feel like anything that gets done in society is done by a group, done by the masses, done by, uh, you know, working class. And I think that's what's going to be, it's going to be a theme that continues, like climate Uh, housing insecurity, food insecurity, all these things are going to be, I'm I'm not looking like it should be their job, like governments and stuff like that. But, you know, we can't wait forever, can we?
0: (laughs) Sure can. (laughs) I'm impatient. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking some time out of your day to share your passions with us and everyone else. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard or want to help Aaron and his mission to help our neighbors without homes, you can follow him on Instagram at imamonsta. That's at I-M-A-M-A-U-N-D-S-T-A. Again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Alexandra Mond, and you're listening to Baskets and Brains.